Hey guys, and thanks for joining us here at IED Sports. Today, we are breaking down Inter-Miami for the 2021 season. While we're doing our Inter-Miami preview, of course, we need to bring in the guys from the Inter-Miami podcast. Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your channel? Yeah, what's up, everybody? Uh, Alex Papa George here, joined by Jay Kington. He's off. He's off camera right now. He's uh, he had a little bit of a rough night, gentlemen. So uh, I think it's best if he does lay off the camera. But uh, but no, we are the Inter Miami podcast. We uh, do the podcast for Inter Miami about sixteen months. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram at Inter Miami Podcast. Go ahead and do your thing. But yeah, we cover the team, uh, and we're excited to be with you. You know, we've been a big fan of the show. Uh, so let's do it. So you had your inaugural season in 2020. I want you to talk a little bit about the history, ownership, stadium, and culture of your club. Yeah, I mean, the the history of Inter-Miami uh, has quite a story. Uh, we had about an 18-year gap between the Miami Fusion and Inter-Miami being, you know, re, you know like reignited down here in, in South Florida. It's really a true testament to Jorge Mas and David Beckham. And, you know, without those two people involved... Uh, who knows if this ever does, you know, come back to Miami. So it's been a area that has been starved for football. Um, you can you can tell it with the fans uh, each and every day. You know, we've we've experienced it over the year. Um, but this is a group of people that really wanted soccer down in this general vicinity. And I think that we're going to slowly become, you know, one of the dominant powerhouses down here to compete with those LAFCs and those, you know, Seattle Sounders of the world. We love it. Of course, David Beckham, when he played for MLS, part of one of his contractual clauses was that he could become an owner. And uh, that's a very valuable thing now because everyone else is paying $30 million to to get in. You guys kind of hit the back door on ownership there. Yeah, yeah, 300 million, Bob. I didn't want to... What I said. You said 30 million. Yeah, 300 million. I mean... Could have just let it go. Could have just let me have one. Okay. (laughs) 300 million. Is that better, Alex? Three hundred. Yeah, that's, well, that's what oh. that's what Garber wants. What Garber wants, Garber seems to get. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So uh, we saw a Florida Derby last year. You have a geographic rival in Orlando down there already, and that was the first time, I guess, again since uh, the old MLS that 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 had happened. So um, very interested to see where Florida takes everyone. Um, stadium. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you got you asked about the stadium situation right now. <laughs> do we want to touch on that you're playing at lockhart stadium I'm like guys i thought we were going to keep it you know on a positive note but uh but no it's a hot topic <laughs> down here in inner miami uh we do have the old lockhart stadium uh that's basically been renovated to the unth degree it's it's truly a beautiful stadium i think it sits what jay about like 12,000 13,000 people 18,000 18,000 people and you know obviously as inter miami continues to grow the the long-term vision of the club you know it, it is inter miami it's not you know Inter Fort Lauderdale or something like that uh, is to go down to the Miami area. It's always been the idea of the club. It's always been the roadmap. And, you know, there's been a a little bit of a, uh, you know, push and tug, tug and pull, you know, however you want to say it with the county and getting this done in South or I'm sorry, in Miami specifically. But there are a lot of reports that are coming out that are basically saying that, you know, hey, things are looking very positive to begin the development of what is Miami Freedom Park. Uh, so we're going to see if that does go ahead and happen, but you know, only time will tell. And 
you know, we hope that that does happen, but I'm not going to lie. We are Fort Lauderdale guys. So just being able to zip down, you know, about five minutes away and go to the stadium is awesome. I could imagine uh, we have the kind of a similar situation here with uh, NYCFC looking for a stadium inside New York while Red Bulls are they're playing Red Bull Arena, which is New Jersey. A lot of interesting stuff uh, at works there, but we'll keep an eye on that as the seasons continue. Let's look back now at 2020. Miami had kind of a mixed bag. They were 7 13 and 3, 25 goals scored and 35 goals allowed. However, they were 5 2 and 2, an impressive home record. Obviously, they were hot garbage on the road. Let's look at the goal scores. Lewis Morgan, five goals, five assists. Pizarro, four goals, four assists. Breck Shea, four goals. Matthias Pellegrini, a goal and two assists. And Gonzalo Iguain, a goal and two assists. That goal we saw in the stands as press at Red Bull Arena. What a banger. Yeah, Talk a little, that was what about the 2020 season? It was gorgeous. It was. If you're only going to give us one goal, that's the goal. <laughs> that is a voice from above. And that, 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 that just the first time Gonzalo was able to score, but it was the first time we could actually score off of a free kick of any sort, whether that be um, you know from the field or or a corner or anything like that. So that was kind of a, a big hurdle for us to get over. And then things started clicking, but it was you know. At that point, a little too little, too late. Yeah, and I mean, going going back to your question, Bob, you know, I, it, it was a tough season for everyone. I mean, there's reality of it. Yeah, right? it was a tough season for not just the MLS, but everybody, you know, in the world. Um, and as we kind of slowly begin to to get out of this crazy, you know, stage of of COVID and you know move forward, you know, it made it made our job as an expansion club that much more difficult. And when we really kind of break down the season, it's, you know, no matter what sport you play, you know, that could be the MLS, that could be NBA, MLB, NFL, it doesn't matter. An expansion team is already at a disadvantage than most any other team in the league for obvious reasons. So now with this idea of, you know, bringing in, you know, what, 20 to 30-ish new new players all on the team at once, having a new coach, having a new coaching staff, having a new management group, all of this stuff swirling up into one, and then have COVID hit is not going to make your day easier. It's going to make it a lot more difficult. And so I think that's what really excites the inner Miami family and, as we call it, La Familia down here, because we had an offseason to not just get the right pieces in place to what we think of what David Beckham's true vision was and is, but also a, a year that we're able to have an off season together. And I think that that's super, super overlooked in, in kind of sports today where it seems like we're always trying to get away from the off season, right? Like we want to cut down and limit the off season. But I think this year was, was really important that we even did have an off season so we can just get in that preparation and work and build our, our team camaraderie and chemistry moving forward. Very much so. It's going to be a much different season than it was last year. Let's keep our fingers crossed on that. When we talk about coaches, Diego Alonso got cut. Uh, Philip Nivel is now in, ex-Manchester United coach, uh, someone that we've known for quite a while. How do you think the tactics are going to change, and do we have any idea of what the team form is going to look like? So we are waiting to get a final answer on team form. We know that, that Neville is a fan of uh, 4-3-3 basically all of last season except for a handful of games you know Diego Alonso's preferred formation is a 4-2-3-1 so what our issue was last season was was clearly in the midfield and not be able to move the ball from our back line into the attack 
be brought over Blaze Matuidi and what could be known as the greatest deal ever completed in MLS history, or we don't need to get into the investigation, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, they were able to bring in uh, another CDM who is just a, a pit bull. I mean, he is the, the, the energizer bunny. And his name is uh, Gregore, and he will be complimenting Blaze Matuidi. So I think what we're going to be seeing now is initially what Diego wanted to do is make a, a possession-style play, but then it quickly kind of morphed into more long ball and play down the wings. I think Phil Neville is going to see a lot more possession in the midfield uh, and, you know, playing out the back and not everything having to be a long ball, but trying to control the game more. But again, so let's pull up while we're uh, talking about it. We'll pull up our little uh, roster. Now, I'm not anyone in the know. This is just a, uh, a depth chart that I kind of put up on my own. This is a 4 3 3. Here you got, of course, Blaze, Matuidi, and Gregore in, uh, I guess we would call that holding midfield. They are both uh, kind of defensive, uh, possession minded players. We have uh, Pizarro as the number 10 and Gonzalo. Iguain as the number nine. So that's kind of the spine of the team. Is there anything else we want to touch on on any of those guys here? I think that's a pretty cool graphic you got there. You got to show us <laughs> how, how you do that. Um, <laughs> but no, I, th I think you got it uh, spot on. And I think Gibbs is going to be, uh, you know, he's joining us in the summer a little bit later. So he's not going to be someone who's going to be with us, you know, preseason and moving into kind of the beginning half of the season. So, you know, we'll probably expect to see Jovan Jones uh, playing more of that left back type of role. Um, we saw him, you know, dominate, you know, be, be, be a true, you know, piece of the puzzle for the Seattle Sounders for quite some time. So yeah. we're excited to bring him into the mix. And I think beyond, you know, what he brings to the club, you know, he's also an MLS guy. And I think our club lacked MLS people. A lot of the pieces of the puzzle, you know, you look at, you know, Gonzalo or Pizarro or, you know, Lewis Morgan, people like that, that they're pulled from all over the world, which is a great thing. Right. But at some capacity, you need someone who understands the MLS game. You need someone who understands the tactics, the coaches, the players, because it is a different style of play. And a lot of conversation last year that we were talking, you know, we did numerous interviews with the players and each time we did, it was a topic of conversation of how different the styles of play are. So um, not just that, um, we're, we're just excited to see the club out on the pitch, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned Sounder on the uh, left back side. You also have a former Sounder on the right back side with Leardam being brought in. And what I like about this team now, we have, of course, Matthias Pellegrini on the left and Lewis Morgan on the right of the uh, of the forwards but you within Giovin Jones and Leardam you have guys that can push up too and fill in at those spots so that's why I started Gibbs at left back but Giovin Jones I kind of have him also playing a sub for Matthias Pellegrini up top there so yeah you definitely got two uh, quality MLS veterans who who are depth pieces at fullback but can also play up on the wing now let's move up to Matthias Pellegrini because he was someone I looked super forward to seeing during last season and was possibly a little disappointing. He, he is a younger player, but he was brought in as a DP. Let's not forget that. Let's talk about the success of um, Pellegrini and what that's going to mean to a Miami team. I mean, if we're talking about the success, we're also talking about the lack of success. And, you know, we, we deem Pellegrini, you know, Pella Messi on the podcast before. He <laughs> uh, you know, you can trademark That's awesome. Pella Messi. Um, but it's, big, it's a big year for him. Uh, some would argue probably the biggest year of any player on the team, uh, because you're absolutely right. He is a young DP um, and that is 
essential in MLS world. You know, if you're not getting production out of your, your, your you're not going to do well. Yeah. You're not going to do well. It's just the reality of, of the situation. So, um, you know, we're going to see how Mateus plays, you know, word is uh, at least from the initial like feedback that we're getting from the players out on in camp on preseason and that he's playing very, very well. So we'll just have to see if it translates, you know, he is still young. Um, so I think kind of get him getting his feet underneath the league. And again, being a new league, you know, all over the world, you know, coming over here to America to play, you know, we can't, you know, underscore the the uh, mental toll that that may take on an individual, especially with mental health being such a, a hot topic in today's world. But, uh, but yeah, Mateus has a big year in front of him and we're looking forward to it. But, you know, Bob, actually, if you wouldn't mind pulling that graph back up. Because no problem. Software is so smooth like that. But yeah. What we're also missing here is kind of just like our depth. And I think that's one of the super important parts about our club this year. Last year, we lacked depth. We, 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 we didn't have players that were able to play multiple games at once. And honestly, honestly, fellas, we, we, we had a serious problem about yellow card allocation. Uh, we had a lot of players <laughs> sitting on the sideline, so we needed our depth. But on this specifically, um, Christian McCoon and Dylan Nealis. Um, those are two names that are very young on our roster. I believe Christian is – Jay, is he I think 20? He's, yeah, I think he's 20, the ex-Venezuelan uh, captain, the under-20 team. Yeah. Exactly. So we're, we're looking at Christian and, you know, Dylan, We the, the two draft picks that we had last year in the Super Draft was Robbie Robinson um, and mm -hmm. Dylan Nealis. I can tell you Dylan Nealis outperformed Robbie all year. Um, he's someone that you're going to see in the starting 11 pretty, pretty frequently. So uh, just keep an eye on for those uh, two guys. What, yeah, we what saw guy, Dylan Nealis play last year and uh, some, some of that we know very well because his brother uh, played for Red Bulls for, for a few I, years I, and I, the brothers played against each other last season. Yeah, I got a quick question. Uh, Lewis Morgan to me opened, opened my eyes. I didn't know much about him when he came in. He seemed to shine for Miami. You want to talk a little about Lewis Morgan, what he brings to the team? Well, <laughs> He, he brings straight class, and Jay, this is this is Jay's favorite topic, so I'm gonna let him take the mic. <laughs> yeah, so he was the MVP of the team. He was the MVP of our little award show we did as well. Um, it was you know, a little. It was a big, yeah, it was a big one, a big one. But um, he is, he adds so much. You know, I want to see more. Of, I want to see him come inside more and take more chances because last year it seemed we were way too content with just playing up to the wing and having him service a ball in, which he is. Uh, phenomenal app, but you know, it's kind of like a bunch like ripping a band aid off. Once he got that first goal, they just started dropping and he really started impacting. And he was playing better than Pizarro for, for most right. Years. He was Mr. Consistent. Um, you know, in addition to him, someone that really doesn't get enough respect is Breck Shea. He was someone we could put in, whether it be at left back, playing up on the wing or through the midfield, and he would just seem to, to, to make things happen. So they're there are these players that have the ability to tie everything together. And Lewis Morgan does it, you know, with the best of them. And he's got, you know, both feet are dirty. He can, he can score from outside the box. It's one of the things that I really loved watching when we first acquired him, just doing the research, watching the highlights from uh, over in Scotland. And, you know, he brings a certain element that, that we need, you know, Gonzalo is obviously, uh, you know, he's best inside the box. He's not going to be, best utilized as having to create chances. He should be there to finish everything. So we definitely need Lewis to continue being able to open up chances and get goals out of, out of Gonzalo because you have to utilize your players in the right way. He played 23 games, started 23 games, had 1,941 minutes that led Miami in minutes during the 2020 season. So absolutely, Lewis Morgan is going to be pivotal, uh, the Scottish player, to 
the success on the pitch during this next season. Let's talk a little bit now about the back line because you guys did give up 35 goals last season. That was a very high total, one of the one of the one of the not best in the league. But on paper, you got Shawcross, you got Gonzalez Perez. Um, how does this back line fit into the overall picture? Of course, Miami's gonna want to go out and score goals, but you gotta you gotta stop the bleeding somewhere. How does this back line look and are they improved since last season? Yeah, I was like, I, you do got to stop the bleeding somewhere. I don't know if it stopped yet, but, um, you know, we're hoping we're at least put a Band-Aid on it for now. But, uh, no, I think I think our defense on our back line is going to be it, – it's going to be significantly stronger than last last year. Uh, 100%, you know, a hot topic uh, in our world was definitely Ben Sweat. You know, you're going to see his face over in Austin this year. Um, but, yeah, there was, there was some trouble on the left side, on our left, uh, left, left back position that really was never figured out the entire season. Um, uh, and, again, kind of to, you know, I guess go back to one of my, you know, earlier points a few minutes ago was just yellow card allocation. We just never found our back four and had them out on the field at the same time for more than maybe one game. So it was just a lot of bodies getting switched inside and out. You know, it, it, it was a true mess. Yeah. I think Ben Sweat might actually be addition by subtraction there just because of what he does not add defending the ball. We had Austin on before and they have Ben Sweat on one side and Nick Lima on the other. I said, guys, good luck because <laughs> you, you got two turnstiles there and that's going to be uh, kind of interesting. One of the interesting stats I found for Miami last season, although they did give up a lot of goals, only once did they give up more than two goals in the same game that was against Orlando City. Every other game, they gave up one or two goals. So it, we talk about stopping the bleeding, but it wasn't like you guys were getting pounded day in, week out. It was just you were losing games two to one, two to one, two to one, three to two. So I do have some faith that this Miami team can get the back line kind of straightened out and, and really take a step forward in 2021, which you'll have to do if you want to be successful. Spot on. Uh, you know, Bob, also, you know, what that the analysis probably won't, you know, talk to is it was ridiculous. Last year, every time we would score a goal, like it got to the point that Jay and I started a like stopwatch on our phone because it felt like within a, within two minutes of our of score, a scoring goal, five we minutes. were giving up a goal. Yeah, five there, it, it was clockwork every single time. Right. So it. I think it talked to kind of, you know, it may even fall a little bit more on the coaching side of things, you know, to kind of continuously have that happen and have that mental lapse after a very big high in putting, you know, one in the back of the, the net. But, you know, it's got to stop somewhere. And hopefully this year, you know, that was a uh, focus point because it's got to stop. When we put in a goal, we can't give it up. Yeah, well, Henderson really got involved. I mean, almost instantaneously once he came and joined uh, inter So you see him bringing leadership from, uh, you know, the Seattle connection. I see it already. Yeah. You see us get kids. We're, we're going, we're, we're trying to find the senior leadership so that, you know, we're not having those mental lapses because yeah, all the games we lost, it was very marginal. You know, we're talking a few mental errors, errors that ultimately decided the game. So, you know, if they can brush up on that, we'll definitely see some more results. Last position is goaltender. You guys got Drake Callender and John McCarthy on your roster. McCarthy, the projected starter. I honestly don't know very much about him. Not surprising. Um, he he. Well, we we picked him up last. So what was it? Two years ago, he was with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, I believe. Um, he was a starting goalkeeper for them, and actually 
he had phenomenal reviews. Um, definitely, definitely was some, there was a lot of chatter that was like, Hey, listen, he's, he's, he's not a player that's going to flash headlines and, you know, drive that big name that Miami brings, but it's going to be a solid performer for your club. So um, John is a little bit of a question mark, but to be honest, the second half of last season, when he stepped in, when uh, Luis Robles fractured his arm and was out for the remainder of the year, and actually he has since retired, um, you know, he played a pivotal role in getting us to the playoffs. So he was playing knockout. He performed better than Lewis did over the course of the 2020 season. But, you know, in the same sense of how Lewis went out, you know, we need depth at goalkeeper too. You know, it, it, either it's a performance, you know, types of performance. Sometimes you need to sit, to, to, sit, to hello, sit down. The other side is, you know, injury. And if one of those two things happen, you know, we got to have a backup. So Drake is right now with the U23, uh, under 23 group uh, for the U.S. team. So he's getting some good experience. Um, and we're going to see how he plays this year. Very nice. We what? talked about a lot. We talked about some stars. We talked about, you know, the pivotal guys, Gonzalo Iguain, Pizarro, Luis Morgan. Were there any players that we, we may have missed that might have that chance to step up and be everyday players for Miami this season? I would have said David Norman Jr., but, uh, but no, he's no longer here. Um, no, I'd say Breck Shea. I think Jay hit it. I mean, the, the, the dude was the best $5 we spent last year. No, I'm saying all serious. <laughs> I mean... He, if we didn't have him on our team, we wouldn't have made the playoffs. So, you know, it was unfortunate that at the back end of the season, he did get injured. I think he missed the last four or five games or so. Uh, but he's someone that, you know, is, is someone to keep an eye on. But no, I think we touched on pretty much everybody. You know, we'll see how, you know, Gonzalo Higuain plays this year. You know, again, a lot of eyes going his way, you know, was one of the biggest signings in MLS history and just underperformed. So um, got a lot of question marks going into the season, but you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully those answers are positive at the end of the day. And one thing I like about you guys uh, with David Beckham and Henderson, if there's a hole, if there's something on, I know you guys are going to get a name player. You're going to go and try to improve the squad. We saw it last year, Batuti, Eagle in the middle of the season. I have the golden question for you. It's probably not going to have this year. Messi or Ronaldo, which one would you think possibly would come to Miami? It's not going to be this year. It might not be next year. But if you were a betting man, if I was put go to Vegas and I'm going to put money down, who do you think is going to come? It would be Messi or Ronaldo. What are the odds? Didn't Messi say he was coming in two years to Miami? Yeah, I thought it was too, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> with the Beckham connect, you know, with the Beckham connection, you could see something happening. So, what, what do you guys think, honestly? Ronaldo wants to wants to get into the Hollywood movie scene. So yeah, it, he's a whole. I know he's buying hotels left and right too. So he was going to put one right in the right in the heart of Miami. You could see it a mile away. Yeah, well, although a man would love to dream and and have one day Messi and Ronaldo playing together, um, right? think that depending on how serious he is about wanting to get into the movie uh, industry, that he might pick one of the LAFC teams just to be you know, in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to guess, I would say Messi, but I mean, these are pipe dreams. These are, these are- of course, it's for all of us. You know, it's for all of us. I don't, Messi at 39, I would still want to see him here. I don't care. I mean, you yeah, know, he's Messi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah, I think uh, I think Messi's your guy to come down here to enter Miami, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll let time tell on that one. Now, we do have to run in just a few minutes, but I, I've, we're going to finish up. I'm going to say a statement, and I want you to finish it for me, okay? Miami will have a good season if? If we stop giving up goals. Fair hey, enough. Good answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Miami enough. will struggle this season if? They give up goals. <laughs> yeah, if, if they don't give up goals, just like most people. But, uh, 
But nah, in all honesty, I think it comes down to team chemistry. I think it's just one of those things in sports, especially team sports, that uh, often gets overlooked. Um, so we're going to see how leadership and management and coaching staff pulls it all together this year. And hopefully it's ready for a dynamite 2021 season. All right. Now, before we go, let's uh, plug your channel one more time. And we're going to finish up. If you want anything that you there are MLS fans watching that you want them to know about Miami, about Inter Miami, about this club. Now's your chance. Well, yeah, this is uh, I'm Alex. This is Jay. Um, I know he's off mic, you know, but uh, but no, we're the Inter Miami podcast. You can go ahead and follow us on all the social medias. Uh, every you know podcast channel that there is out there, Inter Miami podcast. We we really got creative on that one and slash made it really easy for everyone to uh, figure <laughs> out there. But uh, but no, um, just just keep your eyes on Inter Miami. You know, that's it. You know, I know that, you know, this first season was not what we all expected. Uh, I think this year is going to be a big, big change, but you know, of course I'm going to say that. So, you know, let's see how the year goes and, you know, hopefully it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's, uh, to the, to, to the championship, you know, we'll see. We all have dreams. All right. So guys, awesome. thank you so much for joining us here and thank you guys at home for watching IED sports.